Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, I want to give you one more Merry Christmas, either tomorrow um, at our big service on Christmas Eve, Eve, if you're traveling, um, or just want to do Christmas Eve chill, or on Christmas Eve itself, uh, three opportunities to join us for the beauty of candlelight, the raucous joy of Christmas carols, all in a splendid um, worship of God uh, in this room. Jesus is described in the Bible as God's indescribable gift. Now, I can't tell you what I'm giving little David for Christmas because he might still be in here. But I'll tell you this, he could talk to you for a half an hour on all the descriptions of this toy. And you probably remember gifts that you've received. I know I do. One year, Deb and I got from her mom and dad a porcelain peacock with Christmas lights lighting up its tail. Yeah, we kept it in the attic. <laughs> Unless they would come to visit. But, but Jesus goes beyond description. He gives a peace that passes all understanding, a joy and a love that is absolutely unspeakable. And there is this ongoing, undying, ever alive hope that sustains us and carries us. He is indescribable because who else? As God would come to earth through human birth, who else as God would be willing to inhabit a human body and then lay that body down on a cross to pay for our sins? He was our substitute. He took our place. He got the punishment we deserve. No one. It's beyond description who our Jesus is. And we love him and we worship him and we give to him and we sing to him and we honor him and we adore him and we celebrate him because Jesus is all. I'm leaving. Um, How many of you love Christmas movies this season? Love to watch them. How many of you, your favorite Christmas movie like mine is Die Hard? Yeah, baby. It's not Christmas unless somebody gets blowed up. Um, but another crazy laugh-out-loud Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. Uh, yeah. But one of the families in Texas went a little too far with it. They decorated their house with a Clark Griswold theme. And it was so realistic, uh, 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 somebody driving by slammed on the brakes, grabbed the phone, called 911, the police, the fire department, paramedics, Home security camera catches the guy getting out of his car, running across the lawn, grabbing the ladder, moving the ladder, only to realize the guy dangling from the roof is a dummy. (laughs) That guy felt like a dummy when the cops showed up. Uh, Let me introduce you to Spencer. Spencer is 11 years old and was out sledding with friends in Chicago when someone, one of his friends, triple dog dared him to lick a frozen metal post. They are pointing in the picture to a piece of his tongue that remains on the post. 
I know. He found out. I mean, this is a reenactment of the Christmas story. Now, that's on our TV Christmas morning. Turn the sound down. Just leave it on. But Spencer found out that what looks real in movies, it's not real in movies, but in real life, it hurts. He was quoted in the newspaper later. These are his words. I was trying to get it, my tongue, off the metal pole. I was gentle and freaking out. Some of my taste buds came off onto the pole. It hurt very badly. Now, me, I'm addicted to food, and I ain't losing one of my taste buds over anything. You can trip a dog dare me, because I love my spam. I've got to taste my spam. Hey, have you seen um, the hip, hipster nativity scene? The, the wise men are three yuppies on segways with Amazon Prime boxes under their arms. Uh, the shepherd is listening to the shepherd sing on Spotify on his phone. Uh, the animals are all corn-fed organic, and Mary and Joseph are taking a selfie with baby Jesus. Now, I'm going to guess this is not an authentic picture, but Matthew, in his account, his historical account of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he gives us the facts. Here we go. Word of God says, these are the facts concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, she's likely 13. Joseph is likely 14. An engagement then is not like engagement now. We discovered last week that an engagement would last one year and it was legally binding. The only way you could get out of an engagement then was to get a divorce. The two, the couple, would live separately even though they were considered married for one year and then they would consummate uh, their relationship uh, with a wedding and yeah, the other stuff you do to consummate. So, because it's, you're going to hear the word virgin in a second. Last night, the kids are in the audience, just like they are now. And a little boy looked at his mom and he was like, this is a true story. He said, mom, what's a virgin? She said, ask your dad. <laughs> dad, 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 what's a virgin? That's a girl that doesn't have a boyfriend. Way to go, dad. Okay, here's the deal. Mary's engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a, yeah, while she was still a virgin, this is huge. This really, the hinge on which everything turns in the Christmas story is not the angels. It's not the shepherds, the wise men. It's not the baby in the manger. It's the fact that Mary was a virgin. This means that though she was a virgin, she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit of God. So the baby born to her, it was a human baby. It wasn't an alien. Jesus was a human baby, fully human, and at the same time, fully God. And so when he died on the cross to pay for our sins, he was the only perfect candidate to take our place and satisfy the holy justice of God. Fully human, fully God, dying on a cross, 
That was an acceptable sacrifice to God to say, hey, Dave Clark, everybody who believes in Jesus, they are justified just as if they never sinned by the work of Jesus on the cross. Mary's a virgin. She became pregnant while still a virgin. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph didn't know that. However, Joseph was a good, the Hebrew word there is sadiq. And it means a man who doesn't just read God's word, he lives what he reads. If it says it, that settles it, I'm living it. And as a result, a sadiq was someone who could hold back the judgment of God from destroying people that sinned. That was Joseph. But get this, as sadiq, he was pointing un- unconsciously, he didn't know it, but God was using him to point to the work of Jesus on the cross. Because when Jesus died on the cross, if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus is God who died for your sins on the cross and God raised him from the dead, if you believe that, God will never judge you because Jesus is sadiq. He took all the judgment of God on himself. God will never condemn you. God will never be angry with you because Jesus took it all. Jesus was sadiq, and his dad, his earthly father, pointed the way. Joseph, who was a good man, didn't want to see Mary disgraced, rumor, gossip, shame, and he planned to break off the engagement, somehow quietly get a divorce. Now, in my imagination, I I see Mary, finally, she can't put it off any longer. She's been out of town, she's back in town, And she's pregnant. I mean, sticking out there pregnant. And so she she confronts Joseph. I don't know if she went over to his home, if uh, she saw him in the market and asked if they could talk. But she's she's in tears. And she's like, Joseph, you you got to understand. Um, An angel visited me. Yeah, and, and, and I, w- I am pregnant, but I am pregnant not, not, not by some other man, and Joseph knows it wasn't by him. I, I am pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that's one I haven't heard. I mean, to tell you the truth, I cannot imagine Joseph in that moment being sarcastic. I see him as absolutely broken. I mean, have you ever felt the bitter barb of um, betrayal? Have you ever had someone close to you, someone you trusted, someone that you let into your life and they betrayed you? Have you ever felt, what, what goes on in your mind? What goes on in your heart when you are rejected? When I was a senior in high school, I was in a sociology class and I sat in the front row. Yeah, I was one of those kind of kids. And our rows were circular, semicircular, and across the row from me in the front row on the other side of the room was um, a a really, really cute uh, girl. And another girl after class approached me and said, do you think that, I don't want to say her name, this is on Facebook, but um, do you think she's cute? I was like, oh yeah, baby. (laughs) And well, she's been elected to uh, the court for the Christmas dance, and would you, would you like to escort her? Would you like to take her to the Christmas dance? Oh, yeah, and so knowing that she was gonna say yes, I asked her, and 
She said yes. And we dated for some time before the dance came up. And the dance was fun. My most, the strongest memory is one of the kids in the class drunk singing Money Money. Um, but I took her home from the dance. And it was really a creepy kind of unsettling kind of weird moment. But, you know, I was clueless. And um, immediately after Christmas in my high school, we had a holiday tournament for basketball. And... Um, I went to one of the ball games and uh, my friends were sitting around me. They, they said, where is? And I said, she told me she had to wash her hair. <laughs> Serious, true. And um, at halftime, she comes walking in with her college boyfriend. I didn't know she had a college boyfriend. But what I knew then, I had been used. And basically betrayed and rejected And here I am, 50 years later, I can still remember her name. I can still remember what it felt like. And that's what Joseph is going through. Somebody he had allowed into his life. And you know, he believed her. He believed that months earlier, now he doesn't even know if it's real, because months earlier, he had walked over to her house with his dad. And when they're welcomed into the home, no one's there but Mary and her dad. And Joseph's dad puts money on the table. Joseph's like, I can't believe it was such a huge amount of money. But then he thinks, oh my gosh, will will it be enough? Will Mary's father accept this bride price, this dowry for her hand in marriage? And so he's just sweating bullets for a moment until Mary's dad nods his head, sweeps the money off the table. But still, even though the the bride price has been negotiated and it's very expensive by the two dads, no possibility of of a wedding or a marriage, not until Joseph screws up the courage within himself, steps forward and holds a cup of wine. And he says to Mary, I I offer my love to you. I, I give my life for you. And he takes a drink from the cup of wine. Still no possibility, not yet, of a, of a wedding or a marriage. Not until Mary would reach up and receive the cup of wine and say to Joseph, I accept the offer of your love for me and the gift of your life for me. And she would drink from the cup and she would say, I offer you my love. And I give you my life. And bam, now we're going to have a wedding. Now there's going to be a marriage. In fact, that's exactly, do you know that as a church, you're called the bride of Christ. And every weekend when you're here and that gold tray, it's not real gold. um, That fake gold tray comes by and you take that little cup of juice. Jesus, you are in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus is whispering over your soul, Oh man, I offer my love for you. I give my life for you. And you take that cup and you drink that juice and you say, Jesus, I accept the offer of your love and the life you've given for me on the cross for my sins. And I offer you my love and I give you my life. Well, Joseph felt like, I mean, it felt like in the moment that she was sincere, that that, 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 that there was passion in her voice and earnestness in her eyes. And, but if that wasn't real, I mean, if, if that wasn't real, if she was just faking it and had somebody else on the side, 
So as she pleads with him to understand, this shouts out, cries out her devotion and her commitment to him, I want to be your wife. It's, it's just that God got me pregnant. Joseph doesn't want her to see him break down, so he takes a big breath and turns and walks away head down. Now the tears are just falling from his eyes. And um, he doesn't want to react. He, he doesn't want to be impulsive. He doesn't want to fly off the handle and do something crazy. He, he wants to respond. He wants to think his way through this. He, he's, he's having this war going on inside him. Can I trust God? I did what God told me to do. I did it the way that God says to do it. And, or, 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 or do I go into worry and anxiety and panic mode? And so he goes home and decides to sleep on his decision. Hey, have you ever prayed a prayer like this one? Uh, dear God, so far today, I I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Amen. Well, I, I believe that Joseph went to bed torn, tossing and turning in this incredible sense of tension. He had this tension because he's trying to pray to God, talk it out with God. By the same token, an angel, yeah, an angel, I'll believe you when an angel comes and talks to me. God got you pregnant? God, what's going on? And you came, I mean, I've stopped and prayed with a number of you already this morning, you've come with your tension. Some, it's cancer tension. Some, it's recovery from cancer tension. Some, it's marital tension. Some, it's parenting tension. Some, this season, it's financial tension. Some, it's a hard time emotionally. And it's the tension of despair and anxiety and depression. But you've come, whatever your tension looks like, think about your tension because whatever your tension is, wherever it erupts in your life, wherever you feel tense, life's tensions are only relieved when we fully trust that God is at work to our good. When you trust that, the tension just bleeds away. You don't have to be tense anymore. God's got it. In fact, I've developed this chart for us this morning. Take a look at this. On the left, if you doubt God's goodness when things go wrong, when, when, when relationships are filled with conflict, when emotionally you're in the pit, when financially you're in the pit, when you doubt God's goodness, it feels like your life is chaotic. It's like an emotional maze and you can't find your way out. You feel, it's not like outside pain, like a broken arm. You wish it was like that because slap a cast on it. Six weeks later, you're all good. No, it's an inner pain. It's a broken heart. And how do you put a cast on that? And so as you doubt God's goodness, the chaos increases, the pain increases. If you find yourself worrying about anything or anyone, it's just evidence that you are doubting the goodness of God. 
and you become so self-focused, so self-absorbed, your life is dominated by self-centeredness. But look on the other hand, on the right, when no matter what happens in your life, no matter how tense things become, no matter how bad things get, no matter what circumstances appear, if you trust that God is at work to your good, then you experience calm and peace. And you have this incredible sense of wonder and you are selflessly generous in every way. And so this is what is tearing Joseph as he lays there in his bed, tossing and turning. Do I trust that God is good? Or or, or do I start to worry and lose my peace and feel this pain? I can't stand this pain. It makes me feel like I just want to throw up. Well, here's what happens in the story. While Joseph was trying to figure a way out for himself, for Mary, he slept and had a dream. And God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit made her pregnant. It's a miracle, a virgin that is pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, meaning God saves, for he will save his people from their sins. And this will fulfill the words of the prophet. You see, Joseph was sadiq, righteous. It means he believed that God would work everything out right. You know what? You know Psalm 23, the Lord is my, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green. He leads me beside quiet. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness. The word in the Hebrew is sadiq. It's a belief that my God is going to put me on a path where everything is going to work out right. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to get it done. I just know that my God is going to work everything out right. This will fulfill the words of the prophet. Joseph had him memorized. The prophet wrote hundreds of years before Jesus, watch for this, a virgin will get pregnant and bear a son and they will name him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So Joseph woke up. And I think this would be a healthy experience for many of us in this room that are allowing ourselves to get stressed out about holiday shopping, holiday meals, feeling the despair that comes with this time of year, feeling the conflicts that erupt in our relationships, seeing that there's more bills and finances. We need to wake up that God is actively at work to our good and money is not the final answer and gifts are not the final answer. And there's a way to resolution of every conflict when Jesus is in the relationship. Joseph woke up and what did he do? He did exactly what God's angel commanded him in the dream. He married Mary, and he did not consummate the marriage, did not go to bed with her, have sex with her, until she had the baby. And he named the baby Jesus. He did what was right. And so, you know what? I don't need an angel to come to me because I have the Bible, God's word, right here. He says in his word everything I need to know about my marriage, about my money, about my emotions. All I have to do is live what he says, and he works everything out together for my good. I just obey what is already written here about my parenting. I don't need any help with grandparenting because I'm stinking awesome. 
about my marriage, about my emotions, about my money. He declares it, I live it, and he works everything out right for me. In fact, obeying God's word frees me to embrace and enjoy God's dream for my life. And the same is true of you. When God has a dream for your marriage, God has a dream for your financial situation, God has a dream for you emotionally, and when you obey God's word, it frees you up to experience, to to embrace, and to enjoy the dream God has for your life that is better, more wonderful than anything you've ever imagined. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do immeasurably, abundantly, exceedingly more than everything we can ask for or even imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So let's look at our chart again. Joseph does what God says, trusts God's goodness, and so now this guy, he's covered with calm. The peace that passes all understanding has penetrated his heart. Now he lives with a sense of wonder. Oh my gosh, look how good God is. And he becomes selflessly generous with his life. And, and all the, on the other side, all the chaos, the pain, the, the worry, the self-centeredness, it all bleeds away to nothing. And the same is true for you. If, if you doubt God's goodness... Chaos, pain, worry, self-centeredness cause an ugly eruption in your life and you lose the calm. You lose the peace. You lose the wonder. You you lose the the selfless generosity. Um, Now, it wasn't going to be easy. Saying yes to God and marrying, marrying Mary was not going to be easy. Tough stuff was coming. There was a murderous king who would butcher every little boy born in Bethlehem and Joseph was gonna have to get the heck out of Dodge. But you know what? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he is famous for having said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort when everything's easy and calm, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And controversy was swirling all around Joseph. People were, the the rumors were hideous. The gossip was dirty. Even when Jesus is in his 30s, people are still calling him the B word because he doesn't, they suggested he didn't know who his dad was. And they were still saying vile things about his mom. Here's what I love about Joseph. He took his stand with Mary. He stayed with her. He married her. He took his stand with God. And Joseph was able to take his stand with God because there's two things Joseph knew about his God. Once he settled the battle over doubting God's goodness or trusting God's goodness, here's what he knew about God. He knew that his God was creator. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth by the power of your hand and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. He knew that to the core of his being. If God could create this cosmos out of nothing, God could impregnate a virgin and there could be by the hand of God a virgin birth. And the baby born to her could be fully human and at the very same time fully God. And Joseph also knew that when you gave your life in obedience, if God's word said it 
and then you made, you were devoted to living it, that obedience paid off big time. Walk in obedience to God and his commands. Why? That you may prosper in all you do, in family, in finances, in feelings, in faith, and wherever you go. So Joseph obeyed. Man, paid off huge. I mean, it was hard. It was the greatest challenge of his life. But the big benefit was he got to live and be married and do marriage with the girl of his dreams. He got to be there personally, up close. When Jesus was born, the Son of God come to earth through human birth. He got to hold Jesus. He got to sing to Jesus. He got to be the hero of the family. When another angel spoke to Joseph in the dream, and they had to get the heck out of Bethlehem because the murderous butcher king Herod was going to slaughter every little boy there in town. Took him off to Egypt, and then God speaks again, and he takes him out of Egypt back to Nazareth. And as, as Jesus grows up, Joseph and Jesus get to go to work together. I believe they went to work not in Nazareth, and I don't believe that Jesus was a carpenter, the Greek word in the text translated in English, carpenter, actually is tecton, like we get our word technology. And so I believe that Jesus was like a computer repair guy. No, the word tecton means a stone mason. And step four, so let's say you live in a, a town of 300 and all the work is three miles away in, a, in the fastest growing city in that region, city of 50,000, where do you think you're gonna get a job? So I believe every day Joseph and Jesus would walk down the path. I've been to Sept Forest. I've taken people from our church there. And they would walk from Nazareth to Sept Forest every day, talking about life and love. And I believe they would work together every day. If you go with me to Israel, you don't see huge excavations like Sept Forest is a huge, immense um, ruin. You don't see wood. You see stone. And so they went there and they did stonework. All day had lunch together. Pulled out their lunchbox Spam sandwiches and Twinkies for dessert. <laughs> My kind of food. And then they worked all afternoon. Then they walked home together to sit at the table together and eat the supper that Mary prepared them. That's what Joseph got because he obeyed God. It was benefit after benefit. You're going to prosper in everything you do, wherever you go. Bethlehem, Egypt, Nazareth. And then somewhere along the line before Jesus turned 30, his dad, Joseph, died. But Joseph from heaven got to see his son, man, unleash on the planet, love like nobody had ever loved. He got to see miracle after miracle after miracle. He got to see people raised from the dead by, by the words of his son and by the hands of his son. He got to see blind people receive their sight and lame people walk. He got to see hungry people fed. He got to see hurting children healed. He got to see Jesus giving his life on the cross. Fully God, fully man, paying for humanity's sin. He got to see Jesus fully physically dead, laid in a stone-sealed tomb. He got to see Jesus on what we call Easter morning, striding out of that tomb victorious, unstoppable, triumphant, conquering the grave, hell and death. And Joseph would say, hey, that's my boy. God the Father puts his arm around Joseph and says, mine too. Yeah. Huge benefits for obeying God. Wow. That's the first part of the story. The curtain closes on that scene. And when you come back, 
uh, tomorrow on Christmas Eve Eve, if you're traveling on Christmas Eve or going to do Christmas Eve chill, like my Debbie, or when you come on Christmas Eve, one of those three opportunities to be in this room, I'll have the curtain pulled back and we'll go on with the rest of that story. But right now, we are gonna live the word of God and we are gonna bear the heart of Jesus. What we see of the heart of Christ here for hungry people and hurting children and people far from God. Every December, if you're not familiar with our church, we take up a, 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 a big, huge love offering. Um, our neighbors over here, Frozen Intermediate School, 80% of the kids who attend there qualify for free breakfast and free lunch. So a part of this offering goes to make sure those kids are supplied with food, have all the school supplies they need, are able to go on school trips. No one gets left behind because we make provision for them. Hurting children, number one on the list of Jesus, number one in our hearts. A huge part of this offering that we do this weekend will go to put on what we call Shine. It's a prom experience for people with special needs. And so they come and we just put, pull out all the stops to give them the best music, the best time, lots of great food, great fun, great dancing. We want those folks, our special needs people in this region to know they are deeply loved by God and highly valued by this church. Our church has an orphanage in Haiti. Scripture says that pure relationship with Jesus is revealed through caring for orphans and widows. And so food is not just there for our orphans, but for the poor in that village. And a huge amount of this offering, $20,000, is going to put a roof on and a floor in the place for our kids' worship right now. In our orphanage, they are well-fed, well-educated, well-clothed, but the place where they worship right now has no roof, and Haiti's a Caribbean country. It rains a lot, and its worship is a miserable mess. They don't get a room like this, but we can put a roof on their room, and we can put a floor in their room. And those little guys, along with the villagers that come, can learn about the love of Christ and sing praises to their God. And look what happens in their life when they obey and live His Word. And so I'm going to pray over you now. If you're a guest... Um, and you've already given, that's cool. Or if you haven't given it all and don't want to give, that's cool. But I'd like for you to look around at the people who make this church their church. We've been saving up for months. Uh, these guys have as well as my Debbie and I. And so this is going to be our sacrifice um, to help hurting children, to feed hungry people, and to reach people who are far from God. I'm going to pray for you. Then servers, if you would come uh, during my prayer. And then when I say amen, you may begin to pass uh, the buckets. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father and our God, you are full of mercy. You love to show compassion. We want to bear the heart of Jesus. We want to live your word. We want to help hurting children. We want to feed hungry people. We want to reach people that are far from God. We want them to know what we have found in Jesus, who is indescribable beyond words, beyond thoughts. Lord Jesus, touch these offerings. Lord Jesus, replenish and restore, resupply every gift given and more. Let people see that they can't outgive you. Lord, we love you. Accept our gifts and use our gifts 
for the hurting, the hungry, and those far from God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.